Oh, we're starting. Okay. <laughs> well, let's see. Let's figure out the volume. Check, check. Check, check, check. One, two, one, two. Why is it so low? I feel like it's low. There it goes. So, how do I do the volume? Which way does the volume go? The volume goes this way. This way gets louder when I go this way. Okay. How about the settings? The settings, the settings, the settings, the settings, the settings. The settings, the settings, the settings, the settings. All right, let's do this. 11.42. It is Saturday, June 5th, 11.42. My name is Kellen. Let's go. As I crack my knuckles. Jeez, okay. Literally rolling up my sleeves, reaching for the lighter. To light my Chesapeake Bay mind and body strength and energy pineapple coconut candle. This came from Target. Simply documenting the moment. Cool, so what do we have? We have a simple task at hand. Not so simple. Let's start at the top. Reviewing my notes. I'm gonna click through a history of things. Cool. All right, Kellen, we are starting at the top. We are reviewing your notes for treaties. <laughs> Let's just call it that for now, treaties. Cool, let me check, 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 just to take away a little bit of the edge. I think it's right in there. Okay. So starting at the top, March 25th, 2021. Yeah, starting from the top, uh, March 25, 2021, right in the afternoon, I received an invitation via email. An invitation was actually the subject of the email. And the email reads, Hello, Kellen. Uh, Sandy McFarlane, who happens to be my aunt, uh, that's an aside. <laughs> uh, again, starting from the top, uh, Sandy McFarlane gave me your name when I was talking to her about an upcoming project. And I went right to Google and found images in your short video. We are looking for visual artists to interpret, quote, Nes Perce treaties, un stop quote. What do you say on the other side of a quote? Quote, unquote. What do you say? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyways, I'll keep it moving. Wait, you know what? Let's just solve this problem right here and right now. Google. Okay, yeah, quote, unquote, cool. Uh -huh. Can put that away. Okay, there we go. And I went right to Google and found images in your short video. We are looking for visual artists to interpret, quote, Nest Purse Treaties, unquote, for a summer exhibit at the Josephie Center for Arts and Culture in Joseph, uh, which is in Oregon. Two years ago, Doug Hyde installed a beautiful bronze and granite sculpture called The Return in our courtyard. And 
quote the re quote the return unquote in our courtyard and we have had many tribal artists display and teach workshops in the past three or four years alan alan pinkham jr is carving his second canoe and has taught drum making and beadwork workshops cc white wolf taught basketry etc but this is a special request to allow three visual artists to respond to nesper's history sandy thought you were perfect for the task I'm attaching a brief description of the project. We would invite you to have three or more pieces for display June 15th to the end of July. We will, <laughs> we will pay a $500 honorarium for your work and we will take only a 30% commission on any work sold. I'm sure we could also work out travel and a night's lodging for you to bring work over. Katsuyao for considering Yes, that's uh, that's the email. So what's cool is that the Josephine Center is in Wallawa, Oregon. And Wallawa, Oregon is in the northeastern part of Oregon <laughs> geographically. And it's actually the homelands of my family, of my ancestors. Uh, they're buried at the north side of Wallawa Lake. Uh, next to old Chief Joseph, who I descend from, are other family members um, right there at the same cemetery, just a few yards away. And um, so when I say it's it's my homeland, it's it's my homeland in a very direct way. And so yeah, this is a pretty cool invitation to do a piece, and actually three pieces, as they say. And so uh, following up with the information. There's a document, a document that comes along called a uh, Nesper's Treaties, uh, which is you know the name of the exhibit, a June to a June to July 2021 exhibit at the Josephine Center for Arts and Culture. Uh, background: The idea for this exhibit came from you know such and such. Let's see. Uh, yeah, let's not chop anything. The idea for this exhibit came from David Liberty, a retired librarian with Nesper's roots enrolled on the Umatilla Reservation in Oregon. David is especially interested in exploring the Treaty of 1863, the one tribal people routinely call the, quote, Liars Treaty, unquote. We will do that. The, quote, unquote, Liars Treaty. Oh, I can say that too in it. Cool. <laughs> uh, we will do that, uh, but in order to put in to in order to put it in proper context, we consider the whole concept of U.S. treaties with Indian tribes in the original treaty with the Nez Perce, concluded at Walla Walla in 1855. It was one of an entire string of treaties engineered by Isaac Stevens, who was the governor of the Washington Territory, Indian agent for the territory and the identified surveyor for a cross-country northern railway route. We'll explore, we'll explore Isaac Stevens, his goals and bravado in bringing many Northwest tribes to the Walla Walla Treaty Affair. The 1863 Treaty, the Liars Treaty, followed on the, discre followed on the discovery of gold on the Nez Perce Reservation in 1863 and the illegal influx of thousands of white miners. This treaty reduced the 1855 boundaries by 90%. We'll look at its construction at Lapway and consider its legality then and now. David Liberty's research will center on this issue. There is one other lesser-known Nez Perce quote-unquote treaty, technically not a treaty but a quote-unquote new reservation to be established by executive order. In 1863, Chief Joseph, or excuse me, in 1863, Chief Old Joseph, okay, I don't know why I couldn't read that. In 1863, Chief Old Joseph and his Walwoma or Walawa band of the Nez Perce, having along with several other bands, refused to sign the Liars Treaty, returned to their homeland in the Walawa and lived peacefully for a few years. But land surveys soon began, and in 1871, when grass was short in the nearby Grand Ron Valley, white stockmen brought their cows into the Wallawa. Although most, including Chief Young Joseph, his father, Old Joseph, had passed in 1871, tried hard to share the land and resources, conflict inevitably occurred, and a strong push by settlers to move the Indians to the new, smaller reservation prescribed in the 1863 treaty began. 
and President Grant, regretting the ill treatment of Indians nationally, proposed a division of the Wallawa with the quote-unquote roaming nest purse of the Wallawa Valley, getting approximately half of the land. Things went as far as an appraisal of white improvements, and surely some settlers would have gladly taken cash for their homesteading investment and moved on to homestead somewhere else. But most, but most settlers objected, and the short-lived grant proposal was rescinded. So when it comes to the historical exhibit, approximately 50 feet of wall space will be devoted to a history of treaty-making and reproductions of original documents, or parts of them, as well as visuals of the treaties, maps, photos of Isaac Stevens and General Howard, etc., these will be accompanied by brief written explanations of where they fit in the march of treaties. Materials will be gathered from the Library of Congress, state historical societies, tribes, and beyond, printed and laminated on things. Cool. Art exhibit. Three tribal artists will be paid an honorarium of $500 each to paint, sculpt, bead, in some traditional or contemporary art form, quote-unquote, interpret what the treaties and their language mean to them. They will each be invited to contribute three to five works, which will be offered for sale, allowing the artist to gain exposure and sales, as well as allowing them to think about the treaties and make their treaty interpretations. Boom, so that is the task at hand. So I have here in my notes, written down with a star next to it, Interpret, quote-unquote, Nez Perce Treaties. The title of the exhibit, under that, you know, noting the subtitle of an opportunity to respond to Nez Perce history, as was listed in the email. And then again, uh, showing a goal to quote-unquote interpret what the treaties and their language mean to me. <sighs> so, <laughs> that's a lot to, to process. So here's what I did. I hopped on Google um, because I realized that I have not ever read either treaty. There's the Nez Perce Treaty of 1855 as well as the Treaty of 1863 being the most notable treaties and the first two that come to mind uh, when I think of Nez Perce treaties. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, 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 hello. Okay. So yeah, the first thing, so the first thing that I did, the very first thing that I did was hop on Google. I immediately searched for Nesper's Treaty of 1855 as well as Nesper's Treaty of 1863. Uh, once I found the actual documents, I sent them to be printed out. I wanted to work with physical copies. And so uh, I want to thank my mother for printing out those copies for me. So I have both documents uh, separated uh, into their individual document and then stapled together. Uh, I have a crew of highlighters and pens and pencils all around me, as well as my handy dandy notepad that is sitting here with two pages of notes so far. Uh, we'll see where these notes go as I progress. So as I mentioned, I started right off on Google uh, trying to find the original documents or at least a document that I could read because I figured that's where I had to start was by actually reading the treaties. Now, one interesting thing that I found right away in reading the Treaty of 1855 is that uh, there is another treaty mentioned right off top, which let me actually write that down here. Okay, I gotta find it. However, I thought it was interesting that the way that these treaties are set up, or at least that I've been noticing, is um, 
it's divided into articles and you know it's just a contract it's your terms and services your terms and conditions whatever you may th or whatever that is uh, as i search hmm so i know that they reference an entirely different treaty in this treaty where yeah they say actually this entire section of this contract we're not even going to repeat it we just want you to go and read a completely different contract that we made with other people oh is that it okay there it is it's article 6 in the Nespers Treaty of 1855 uh, the president may, from time to time, at his discretion, cause the whole or such portions. Blah 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 blah. We'll get into that later. Uh, as I provided, and will locate on the same as a permanent home on the same terms and subject to the same regulations as are provided in the sixth article of the treaty with the Omahas in the year 1854. So far as the same may be applicable. So an entire section of the Nez Perce Treaty of 1855 is a statement that refers you to a completely different document made with a completely different people in a completely different region of the country. Oh, that's wild. Okay, so let me write this down to make sure that I put it in my research. Actually, we're just going to start page three. This will be fresh. This is basically a little ASMR experiment. <laughs> okay, so Omaha's Article 6. Omaha's in 1854. All right, so we got to check out that treaty here in the journey. I'll get to that later. I have a lot to dive into before that. Cool. Back to page Okay, Google search 1855 and Google search 1863. So the main notes that I got from these searches um, were, let's see, I have Oregon 1848, that's the lead to follow up with, and Washington 1853. I believe these are the establishment of the Oregon Territory and Washington Territory. I also see 1855. Uh, so yeah, talking about the Treaty of 1855, um, where one source, the National Park Service, said 7.5 million acres uh, were lost in that Treaty of 1855. Another source, org, said 7.5 million acres were retained. Um, and then I also see a note that the Treaty of 185 was ratified by the Senate in 1859. So four years after the initial title of it in the uh, initial, or I guess the starting of the process. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm not even going to try to explain <laughs> explain their process. <laughs> and I also see here on my notes for 1855 that one of the major things to come out of it is the right to hunt and fish in quote-unquote usual and accustomed places. 
So that's a very significant phrase and term and condition. <laughs> Again, contract, look at us. Okay, moving down, I also see 1860 is highlighted um, in reference to gold being discovered at the border of the, or within the borders of the reservation that was originally outlined in the Treaty of 1855. And so that leads us to the Treaty of 1863, where, again, the National Park Service being the source says that 90% of uh, the land was lost uh, from uh, from what was uh, assigned in the Treaty of 1855, uh, and that being greater than 5 million acres, uh, basically corroborated by uh, the Nespers.org or by nespers.org, um, that 750,000 acres were retained. So yeah, if you were to take uh, 7.5 million acres and you know only have 10% of it, yes, that makes sense, 750,000 acres. So that math, pretty much maths for me, <laughs> looking 1863, it says treaty ratified 1867. So again, four years after the initial signing, um, and then, yeah, I see a note that 1863 eventually leading to um, the events of 1877, which to say events is just an oversimplification beyond measure. However, for the purposes of the moment, uh, moving forward, I also see that a little chain started, a little timeline, um, I say 1867, showing the ratification of the Treaty of 1863. I also have a question mark around 1868, so that's something to explore. Um, 1871, I'm seeing the discovery of grass and that old Joseph um, passes in that year. Uh, and what I mean by grass is um, white settlers seeing uh, open fields and pastures of abundant grass for their cattle. Um, so it's a resource, which then leads to a resource war. In a sense, not really a war if it's just stealing. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, moving forward, I also see a note for 1887 uh, mentioning the Allotment Act, um, quote-unquote, opening to whites, and or Dawes Act. I see a note also for 1893 agreement, so something that I'm not really familiar with. Uh, some of these numbers, 1868, 1887, although I don't know that as a number, I have heard of or, you know, had experience uh, in conversation and in, in reading about the Allotment Act as well as, you know, the other name uh, going by Dodd Act. Uh, however, uh, this 1893 agreement, I've never heard of that. Uh, I've also never heard of Isaac Stevens who was um, mentioned in, you know, in the introduction of that email and of this project. So there's a lot here to kind of work through, even <laughs> in reading these treaties. Uh, so yeah, continuing on, I also see I have 19 bands written down, which I got um, an awesome visual from wallowanespurse.org. Uh, yeah, so they show a nice map of the convergence of present-day Washington, Oregon, and Idaho, and where the different bands of Nimipu uh, tended to um, be. <laughs> different bands um, lived in different areas, uh, in that larger area. So, yeah, that's um, another thing to check out is that visual. Um, and I love how it was broken down into the 19 bands um, because, again, that was something that I just learned today. Uh, I could probably name, like, four to six bands prior. So, whew, yeah, just even in the notes, even in the notes without jumping into the research, I'm like, oh, I've already learned so much. So let's go. Uh, continuing on. So following up these questions on page two, it's literally the title of the page, Q's, or app, capital Q for questions. Um, 
Okay, so I see a note for 1924 citizenship. So I'm going to write that actually on page three because I didn't dive into that one yet. 1924 citizenship. Which is wild because, you know, again, I always think about my great grandma. She is my literal link to the past because I spent 12 great years with my great grandmother in my life. And my great grandmother was born in 1818. Uh, and so my great grandmother was not a U.S. citizen or considered a U.S. citizen in eight for the first six years of her life. Um, and, you know, probably even further, that's something that I need to follow up with with my family uh, to ask my grandma even about that. However, it's crazy just uh, in writing, thinking about that, that here we are, the natural inhabitants and stewards of the land, working in communion with the land for millennia, documented millennia, and here in the same space, um, a system has been imposed where this person being naturally born in their natural homelands is considered a non-citizen. It's wild. Cool. All right, so that's on page three, because, yeah, we got to jump into that. It works into the timeline. So, so the questions that we have from page one are 1868, which timber is next to that, um, which, yeah, okay, we'll dive into that. Dawes Act, General Allotment Act, uh, 1893 Agreement, Isaac Stevens, and then David Liberty, who's attached to the exhibit portion. Cool, so starting at the top, 1868 Timber Treaty, um, 1868 hmm. ah, I didn't mean to do that Isaac we don't need you girl we don't need you, girl. We don't need you. Okay. 1868. Tim. Nesper. Nate. Timber. 1868. Nesper. Okay. So looking at firstpeople.us. Cool. Uh, so it shows treaty with the Nez Perce, uh, August 13, 1868. Whereas certain amendments are desired by the Nez Perce tribe of Indians to their treaty concluded at the council ground in the Valley of the Lapway in the territory of Washington on the ninth day of June in the year of our Lord 1863. And whereas the United States are willing to assent to said amendments, it is therefore agreed it is therefore agreed by and between Nathaniel G. Taylor, Commissioner on the part of the United States, thereunto duly authorized and lawyer, Timothy and Jason, chiefs of said tribe, also being thereunto duly authorized in manner and form following, that is to say. Boom. Okay, so that's the introduction going into three articles listed here. So basically that introduction is saying, what, it's uh, June 9th? Uh, 1863 and the U.S. being represented by this guy Nate Taylor, the commissioner um, working on the part of the U.S. and then listing lawyer Timothy and Jason as the chiefs of uh, the Nez Perce um, being duly authorized in manner and form following. Okay, so these two people are coming together to make an agreement, or these two parties, excuse me, not people. Uh, and so in the first article, it says that all lands, so this is the first uh, condition of the contract, 
the all lands embraced within the limits of the tract set apart for the exclusive use and benefit of said Indians by the second article of said treaty of June 9th, 1863. Okay, so that's already another reference. So where are we at again? This is uh, June 9th, 1863, the second article. Um... Okay, so this is five years prior, the Treaty of 1863. In the second article, it says, The United States agreed to reserve for a home and for the sole use and occupation of said tribe, uh, the Nez Perce, the tract of land... Oh my gosh, okay, I just realized, do I want to keep saying Nez Perce? Huh. Okay, let's say Nimipu. <sighs> Within the following boundaries. Okay, so then it sets the boundaries. And then it says, all of that land shall be set apart, and the above described boundaries shall be surveyed and marked out for the exclusive use and benefit of said tribe as an Indian reservation, nor shall any white man accepting those in the employment of the Indian Department, be permitted to reside upon the said reservation without permission of the tribe and the superintendent and agent. Okay, so that's a lot of people. <laughs> and the said tribe agrees that so soon after the United States shall make the necessary provision for fulfilling the stipulations of this instrument as they can conveniently arrange their affairs and not to exceed one year from its ratification, they will vacate the country hereby relinquished and remove to and settle upon the lands herein reserved for them, except as may be herein after provided. Whew, okay, that's a lot. That is a lot, a lot. So there's a lot of characters. There's land being given up. So what does this have to do? So going back to the Treaty of 1868, that all lands embraced within the limits. Okay, so the, the limits that are described. Okay, so yeah, so basically the limits that are described, um, that's the part that mattered out of Article 2, and I just didn't even do that part. So that's all right. I'll get to that later. Cool, which are not susceptible of cultivation. Uh, that all lands embraced within the limits of the tract set apart for the exclusive use and benefit of said Indians by the second article of said treaty of June 9th, 1863, which are, which are susceptible of cultivation and suitable for Indian farms, which are not now occupied by the United States for military purposes, or which are not required for agency or other buildings and purposes provided for by existing treaty stipulations, shall be surveyed as provided in the third article of said treaty of June 9th, 1863. Okay, so here in the first few sentences, well, large sentences, if I think maybe only one, both the second and the third article of the Treaty of 1863 have been referenced. And as soon as the allotment shall be plowed and fenced, and as soon as school shall be established as provided by existing treaty stipulations, such Indians now residing outside the reservation as may be decided, provided uh, every male person... Okay, so, however in the case, there should not be sufficient quantity of suitable land within the boundaries of the reservation. Every male person who shall have attained the age of 21 years or is the head of a family and the tenure of those remaining upon lands outside the reservation shall be the same as is provided in said third article of said treaty of June 9th, 1863. For those receiving allotments within the reservation and it is further agreed that those now residing outside of the boundaries of the reservation 
and who may continue to so may and who may continue to so reside shall be protected by the military authorities in their rights upon the allotments occupied by them and also in the privilege of grazing their animals upon surrounding unoccupied lands huh Okay, so Article 2, it's further agreed between the parties here too that the stipulations contained in the 8th article of the treaty relative to timber are hereby annulled as far as the same provides that the U.S. shall be permitted to use thereof in the maintaining of forts or garrisons and that the said Indians shall have the aid of the military authorities to protect the timber upon the reservation and that none of the same shall be cut or removed without the consent of the head chief of the tribe, together with the consent of the agent and superintendent of Indian, Indian affairs, first being given in writing, which written consent shall state the part of the reservation upon which the timber is to be cut, and also the quantity and the price to be paid therefor. Oh my gosh, so many words. Okay, you know, just got to get used to that. That's what this whole thing is about, just all the words so basically the agreement is saying something about back in the treaty of 1863 article 8 um, article 8 of the treaty of 1863 says it is also understood that the aforesaid tribe again referencing the Nimipu do hereby renew their acknowledgments of dependence upon the government of the United States, their promises of friendship and other pledges as set forth in the 8th article of the Treaty of June 11th, 1855, and further that all the provisions of said treaty which are not abrogated or specifically changed by any article herein contained shall remain the excuse me, shall remain, shall remain the same to all intents and purposes as formerly, as formerly. Okay, wow, so going back, uh, it's understood that the aforesaid tribe will renew their promises of friendship, and yeah, going back to 1855, and I remember that in 1855, here we go, article 8, so again, this is the Treaty of 1863, excuse me, the Treaty of 1868. Yeah, a treaty, August 13th, 1868, that is re referencing the Treaty of 1863, which is now referencing the Treaty of 1860, excuse me, which is now referencing the Treaty of 1855. The aforesaid so Article 8 in Treaty of 1855. The aforesaid tribe acknowledged their the aforesaid the aforesaid tribe acknowledged their dependence upon the government of the United States and promised to be friendly with all citizens thereof and pledged themselves to commit no depredations on the property of such citizens. Um, so yeah, basically Nespers uh, promised to be friendly with all citizens and pledge themselves to commit uh, nothing, depredations on the property of such citizens. So when they say citizens, they're not including Nespers people because earlier in the treaty, um, it's saying that literally, uh, which we'll get into that. At our, I'll find that at another point when I read into it. Um, so yeah, citizens is meant to be non-Nespers people and or white settlers uh, and should be anyone or more of them violate this pledge and the fact be satisfactorily proved before the agent the property taken shall be returned or in default thereof or an injured or destroyed compensation may be made by the government out of the annuities so again you have to satisfy proof to the agent which um, the agent is described earlier in the treaty. Basically, you know, the white appointed steward or 
the agent, you know, the overseer. Um, what are they called? It says it here earlier. I don't know if I'm going to take the time to look for it. Whatever. Moving forward. So you got to get the guy's permission, basically. Um, a, a landlord. It's basically a landlord, which, again, oversimplification. Don't do it. Nor will they make war on any other tribe except in self-defense, but will submit all matters. Okay, so, yeah, this is the part where it's like you have to pledge your loyalties. Um, you can't do anything wrong. I guess if people attack you, then you're allowed to, like defend yourself um however you know everything's going to go through the agent so just so you know um don't step out of line and um, make sure that you get the consent of the agent <sighs> okay so it's just reiterating that point for another time um saying don't step out of line wow okay so, Article 3, it is further hereby stipulated and agreed that the amount due said tribe for school purposes and for the support of teachers that has not been expended for that purpose since the year 1864, so four years prior, uh, but has been used for other purposes, shall be ascertained and the same shall be reimbursed to said tribe by appropriation by Congress and shall be set apart and invested in United States bonds and shall be held in trust by the United States and the interest on the same to be paid the in, the interest on the same to be paid to said tribe annually for the support of teachers okay so they're going to give money for teachers uh, the money that they didn't give back in 1864 cuz they used it for other things um, it's going to be re reimbursed by congress yet they're going to invest it in U.S. bonds and it'll be held in trust by the U.S. So the money doesn't even go to the people. It's held by the government and then the interest on this, on that uh, to be paid to the tribe annually for the support of teachers. So we're going to give you money for this thing that you didn't ask for. And the money that we give you we're going to hold it and pay it to you in order to fund the thing you didn't ask for. Huh. In testimony whereof the said commissioner on the part of the United States and the said chiefs representing said Nez Perce tribe of Indians have hereunto set their hands and seals this 13th day of August in the year of our blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Wow. So, Treaty of 1855. Let's write these numbers down. We have 1855, 1871 
Yep. Okay. And nineteen twenty-four. Nine. Oh, and then article Omaha's. Okay, so eighteen fifty-four. So yeah, that falls right in between eighteen fifty. So okay, so Putin. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Ten different years. Excuse me. Okay. So, we have a Treaty of 1855, which I'll read later. We have the Treaty of 1863, which I'll read later. So, 1868, the biggest distinction, and this was um, also said on another one of those websites, I believe it was nespers.org, um, that the main distinction was about the timber, which happened in Article 2. Um which, yeah, basically, you know, uh, boundaries for the timber. The U.S. will be permitted to use it, timber to maintain the forts and garrisons that, you know, they're going to, that they set up. Um, and that the said Indians shall have the aid of the military authorities to protect the timber upon their reservation. So the cops will help protect the timber and that none of the same shall be cut or removed without the consent of the head of the tribe. So consent of the tribe or consent of the head man, which again is just already problematic, together with the consent of the agent and superintendent of Indian affairs. So the problematic appointed head chief of the tribe along with the agent and superintendent of Indian Affairs, so two non-native people, uh, first being given in writing with written consent, state the part of the reservation upon which the timber is to be cut and also the quantity and the price to be paid therefor. Okay, so it's a timber distinction that happened in 1868. I'm not fully clear on whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um... Because, you know, I'm just a person, too. <laughs> um, and this confuses me. Because uh, it says, Are hereby annulled as far as the same provides that the U.S. shall be permitted to use. Uh, so annulled makes me feel like it's the opposite of staying with. You know, it's breaking apart or, like, erasing. Um, so I don't know if it's erasing a protection or if it's installing a protection yeah i don't see anything about these treaties that are really meant to protect so that's why i'm confused cool uh dawes act general allotment act uh okay so the notes being uh families were given 180 80 or 160 acres, individuals 80 acres. Uh, this happened in 1887. Uh, a person would hold and trust by government uh, land for 25 years. After 25 years, then they would gain their citizenship. Um, and something about a fee simple title. Uh, non And then non-allotted land sold uh, to the U.S. Um, and then money was placed in trust. Cool. So let's find the Dawes Act. Okay, so going to the National Park Service website, what was the Dawes Act? The Dawes Act, sometimes called the Dawes Severalty Act or General Allotment Act, passed in 1887 under President Grover Cleveland, allowed the federal government to break up tribal lands. 
The federal government aimed to assimilate Native Americans into mainstream U.S. society by encouraging them towards farming and agriculture, which meant dividing tribal lands into individual plots. Only the Native Americans who accepted the division of tribal lands were allowed to become U.S. citizens. The, this ended in the government stripping over 90 million acres of tribal land from Native Americans, then selling that land to non-Native U.S. citizens. Okay, um, some of these verbs are pretty generous. How did the Dawes Act affect Native Americans? If they accepted the allotment divisions, the Dawes Act designated 160 acres of farmland or 320 acres of grazing land to the head of each Native American family. These, acre these acreages were comparable to those promised by the Homestead Act, but there were important differences between the two acts. Tribes already controlled the land that was being returned to them at a fraction of the acreage, Native Americans were not accustomed to a life of standardized ranching and agriculture, and the lands allotted to them were often unsuitable for farming. Okay. In order to receive their allotment, Native Americans were required to enroll with the Office of Indian Affairs, now known as the Bureau of Indian Affairs. By enrolling the individual... Oh, the BIA... Uh, by enrolling, the individual registered themselves with the office and their name went on the Dawes Rolls, which assisted government agencies in determining, in determining whether or not that individual was eligible to receive their allotment. So you had to register with the BIA, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, in order to get your allotment. So again, getting sold your own land back at a fraction of the acreage and you can only own that land if you register with the Bureau of Indian Affairs. And by enrolling, you now agree to be on the DAS rolls, um, which helps the government agencies uh, determine whether or not people are eligible to receive their allotment. So you're putting your hands in somebody else's, or put, you're putting yourself in somebody else's hands. Uh, to tell you what's yours. Um, although Native Americans controlled about 150 million acres of land before the Dawes Act, they lost the majority of it due to these allotment divisions and selling of surplus. So yeah, so any land that didn't go, so, you know, you could only get so much land. It was most likely not favorable land. And when you got it, or in order to get it, you had to register for their system and it was their system that let you know whether you were eligible to actually have that land or not. Wow. Okay. Although, okay, yeah, and so because they were strict allotments, um, any surplus was given to non-natives, so white settlers, when tribes were paid for their land, they were underpaid. In addition to scant payment, Native Americans were not used uh, were not used to spending money and quickly spent most of what they received. Girl, <sighs> inheritance also became an issue for native for many Native Americans who enrolled to receive land from the Dawes Act. When young children received allotments, some did not know how to farm because they had spent their youth in boarding schools. When there were multiple inheritors, the size of the plots was too small to divide among children and still be suitable and still be suitable for farming. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, the Dawes Act swept in in 18, 1887 uh, and divvied up the land, so restricting the amount of land that a person could have. Um, most likely the land was not the prime land to be on also it was just a really um imposition in that it was not uh culturally appropriate because it um just violated the way of living of indigenous people native people native american people and when the math maths up 
um, any extra land that isn't given out, if you don't fit these requirements that we set to be in our system, then it goes to the United States and they open it up to any white settlers. Huh. So that's the Dawes Act. That was 1887. So then we have 1893 agreement. Um, oh, and that's the one with the long title. Okay. Oh, gosh, this Isaac Stevens man. I'm like, oh, big exhale. Okay, I don't need that anymore. So, eighteen ninety three agreement. Oh, I did have it. Okay. So this is coming from the library at the University of Idaho. So agreement with the Nez Perce Indians in Idaho. This was May 1st, 1893. Um, so it lists people. Whereas the president under the date of uh, October 31st, 1892 and under the president, and under the provisions of the Act of Congress entitled, quote, an act to provide for the allotment of lands in severalty to Indians on the various reservations and to extend the protection of the laws of the United States and the, territory, and the territories over the Indians, and for other purposes approved February 8, 1887, authorized negotiation, negotiation, negotiations authorized negotiations with the Nez Perce Indians in Idaho for the cession of their su surplus lands Whew. authorized negotiations with the Nez Perce Indians in Idaho for the cession of their surplus lands wow okay so that's a title end quote <laughs> An act to provide for the allotment of lands in severalty to Indians on the various reservations and to extend the protection of the laws of the United States and the, territory, and the territories over the Indians and for other purposes approved February 8, 1887, authorized negotiations with the Nez Perce Indians in Idaho for the cession of their surplus lands. Wow. Whereas the said Nez Perce Indians are willing to dispose of a portion of the tract of hind in the state of Idaho, reserved as a home for their use and occupation by the second article of the treaty between said Indians and the United States, concluded June 9, 1863. So the 1863 treaty. Okay, so the said Nez Perce Indians hereby seed, sell, relinquish, and convey to the United States all their claim, right, title, and interest in and to all the unallotted land within the limits of said reservation, saving and accepting the following described tracts of land, which are hereby retained by the said Indians. Okay, so that big sentence says that the Nez Perce are giving up, selling, giving up um, to the U.S. their claim and right and title, so like the written portion and interest, the money portion, to all unallotted lands, so any lands that they don't get through the Dawes Act, within the limit of the said reservation. And the said reservation is the one described in 1863, and that is the reservation that is a reduction all the way down to 10% of what the original homelands of the Numipu were.
Hmm. Okay, so so the limits to the said reservation, saving and accepting the following described tracts of land. So then this is where they break up all the different lands. So this is the actual following through of the Dawes Act. This is the coming through and um, actually portioning out the land. Um, That's what this agreement of 1893 is. So Article 2, it is also stipulated and agreed that the place known as the Boom on the Clearwater River north of Lapwood Creek shall be accepted of this session. Let's get to the money. Article 3. In consideration for the land ceded, sold, relinquished, and conveyed as aforesaid, the United States stipulates and agrees to pay to the said Nez Perce Indians the sum of $1,626,222. Okay, so all the land that is given up outside of so it's within the bounds of the Treaty of 1863. So within the bounds of that said reservation, they came through and they cut up the land like a cake, um, only allowing each piece to get to a certain size. And you had to register for the system in order to get your piece of cake. If you didn't fit the requirements in their system, then you didn't get it. Uh, and so there's no way that um, everyone... <laughs> could get their quote-unquote peace. Um, or, you know, it creates a barrier for people to get uh, a peace. And even then, it's, again, an imposition because this isn't the way of life and the way of existing for these people. And so any excess land, which they surveyed because it's not outlined So yeah, everything is portioned up in this outline in Article 1. And so they know the allotments um, and everything is basically fractioned out. And so they're saying everything else that isn't cut up and already given out um, will pay you for it. And so it says the United States stipulates and agrees to pay to the Nez Perce Indians the sum of $1,626,222 of which the amount of which amount the sum of $626,222 shall be paid to said Indians per capita as soon as practicable after the ratification of this agreement so 1893 hmm okay we'll see when it's ratified the reminder of said sum of $1,626,222 shall be deposited in the Treasury of the United States. Okay, so you're going to pay us money, yet you're going to put it in your bank to the credit of the Nez Perce Indians uh, in credit of Idaho. Oh, quote-unquote Nez Perce Indians of Idaho. So yeah, again, um, that's another problematic uh, thing there, quote-unquote Nez Perce Indians of Idaho because it excludes a lot of the many different bands that were mentioned before, the 19 bands uh, that ranged over the lands of what are now called present-day Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. Wow, okay. So continuing on, and shall bear interest at the rate of 5% per annum, which principal and interest shall be paid to said Indians per capita as follows. Okay, so they're they're going to hold it and their 5% interest um, and the principal and interest shall be paid to the Indians in this way at the expiration of one year after the date of the ratification of this agreement, the sum of $50,000 and semi-annually thereafter the sum of $150,000 with the interest on the unexpected portion of the fund of $1 million until the entire amount shall be Gross, too much. Um, so what's the point of this eighteen ninety three agreement? Um, that's the money. So they they portioned everything up. They said this is the money. Um, 
then yeah, all the other things. Okay. Isaac Stevens. Oh, severalty. The condition of being separate. That's right. That's so key. So the agreement of 1893 is the actual execution of the Dawes Act. So the Dawes Act is dividing up the land, registering for registering through the BIA to get your land. And the word severalty. So the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines severalty. One, the quality or state of being several. Distinctness, separateness. Two, a sole, separate, and exclusive possession, dominion, or ownership. One's own right without a joint interest in any other person. B, the quality or state of being individual or particular. And then three, A, land owned in severalty, or B, the quality or state of being held in severalty. Wow. Well, I mean, severalty, <laughs> the quality or state of being several distinct, a sole, separate, or exclusive possession, dominion, or ownership, one's own right without a joint interest in any other person. That is the most colonial thing I've heard. Wow. Talk about divide and conquer. Um, they physically divided up the land and divided up our ownership. Um, a sole, separate, and exclusive possession. These aren't Nez Perce ways by any means. Dominion or ownership. Um, one's own right without a joint interest in any other person. Really, you're not concerned with anyone else in your community. Wow. So yeah, that's the word severalty, the quality or state of being individual. Yeah, literally divide and conquer. So yeah, that's in that's the Dawes Act. Um, came out of 1887. So yeah, the General Allotment Act, the Dawes Act came out of 1887. And in that, it was called a quote-unquote, an act to provide for the allotment of lands and severalty to Indians on the various reservations and to execute the protections. It keeps going. Uh, however, that word severalty, it stands out because, yeah, it's the condition of being separate. It's literally divide and conquer. Um and it was the Dawes Act that influenced the president's recommendation of October 31st, 1892, which later became the um, agreement with the Nez Perce Indians in Idaho of 1893. Wow. And again, the Nez Perce Indians in Idaho is already problematic because it excludes many other Nimipu. And it's not even an exclusion. Uh, just continue. Keep going. Uh, actually, I think that's it. I think I'm done for now.